Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Looks like he's going to take off himself and he will get to the 20, to the 15. Still going, Riley up in the air. Touchdown, Eskimos. How do you like them, Apple? Breaking away is Connor McDavid barreling down the right-hand side to the net. Retard score. That one a beautiful end-to-end rush. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for tuning in this evening. Happy that you have the time to tune into Inside Sports. My name is Reed Wilkins, Oilers Eskimos play-by-play voice. We have an Eskimos game coming up on Thursday, 6 o'clock for the countdown to kick off. The game will begin at 8. The Saskatchewan Rough Riders in town. They have not named their starting quarterback for that game, though perhaps it's whichever quarterback plays more is going to be what is significant about that one. Zach Caleros is uh, back from injury. He suffered a concussion earlier in the season. Head coach Chris Jones also saying that Brandon Bridge will play quarterback in that game if he's been playing most of the time for the Riders uh, ever since Claros went down. So that is something to watch for as well. For the Eskimos, no doubt who is going to play quarterback. It will be Mike Riley, who once again named one of the players of the week in the CFL. Over 400 yards, four touchdowns in the Eskimos' win against Montreal last Thursday. But of course, Riley more concerned about the numbers in the win column and loss columns. Riley leading the CFL in most uh, quarterback categories, including passing yards and touchdown passes. Uh, so they'll go for their third straight win on Thursday when they play the Riders. Player of the month for July expected to be announced tomorrow, and you could see uh, Riley's name on that list as well. All right, uh, golf, a big topic in the city right now. Of course, the Oil Country Championship will tee off uh, with the tournament starting on Thursday. Do you have? Do we have uh, Riley's comment? Okay, let's get to that, Kellen. Before we uh, move on here, here's Riley uh, saying wins and losses the big thing for him. Me and our team has done good enough in four games and not good enough in two. You know, and and that's just the way it goes. There's going to be games where, you know, you're going to come out and they're going to be taking things away, and and those statistics aren't going to look that great. But you got to find a way to win. And if you do, then it's a success. And if you go out and and put up big numbers and you don't win, then you know, you didn't play good enough, and that, that's how I look at it, you know. And All right, so that is Mike Riley, obviously set to go here against the Saskatchewan Rough Riders on uh, Thursday night. Again, game time at 8. All right, the uh, golf uh, in Edmonton here out at the Petroleum Club, the Oil Country Championship set to tee off on Thursday. Today it was the Celebrity Pro-Am. You had some current Oilers players out there like Cam Talbot, Matt Benning, 
Kyle Brodziak, uh, the new guy signed, well, the new old guy. He was an oiler earlier in his career. Now he's back uh, as he gets ready. Stuart Skinner, draft pick goaltender from a couple of years ago. He played, uh, finished the season in the Western Hockey League with Swift Current, who, of course, were uh, coached by uh, Manny Vivrios, who, uh, former NHLer, hugely successful career in Europe coaching internationally and now he joins the Oilers coaching staff as an assistant of course the Oilers within three quarters of a new staff Todd McClellan returns as head coach you got Trent Yanni as a new assistant you have Glenn Gullitson the former Flames head coach coming on as an assistant and Viveros rounding out the staff uh, I talked to Mandy about stepping into the uh, NHL coaching world but uh, began with a quick update on his golf game you could be a pro golfer if you weren't a hockey coach. Is that where you're at? <laughs> not, not even close, Reed. Uh, you, you've seen me hit the golf ball before. Uh, no, not at all. I, you know, I love the game. Um, it frustrates the heck out of me, but it's a lot of fun. It's a challenging uh, uh, sport. On not on every day when I play or when I do play, it's almost every hole when I play. It's quite challenging. <laughs> yeah, I feel your pain there, sure. Uh, you know, we got to talk to Todd last week at uh, at the Mark Spector Classic. Uh, They're raising money for sports. Central, and he said you guys had a bit of a, a coach's retreat for, for three or four days. Uh, what was your experience of that? How valuable was that? Uh, for me, it was, uh, uh, I can't describe how valuable it was for me as far as uh, getting to know uh, the coaching and uh, um, you know the systems that uh, they played last year and how we want to play next year also too, and just uh, you know listening to the wealth of knowledge from all the coaching staff that have been in the National Hockey League for so many years, and uh, for me, it was, I was just soaking it all in, getting as much information as I possibly can, and uh, uh, you know it was very informative for all of us. You know, so you get to know each other uh, and, you know, discussing, you know, how we want to play going uh, into next year. You're in a situation where Todd's the head coach. The other two guys have been head coaches in the NHL. I mean, you've been a head coach uh, for a while, too, uh, not on an NHL bench. So how do, you, how do you view sort of the relationship with, with those other guys? Well, I, I think it's, just, uh, you know, very simple. Sorry. I think it's very simple, you know, all great guys, um, you know, and uh, we're all here for one thing is to, to help the Oilers uh, get back to the playoffs and uh, uh, great guys. And, uh, you know, for me, I, I'm going to use their wealth of knowledge, like I said before, is their experience and, uh, you know, how, you know, things work in the National Hockey League, learning different things and, you know, uh, just, you know, everything about not only the on-ice stuff, but just the off-ice stuff and everything else too. And I think uh, um, more importantly is how, for me, was how, easy and how welcome I, I felt right away with those guys. They're all great individuals, great human beings, and uh, um, you know, I think it's going to be a really good group and a good team together. It's going to be interesting for you, um, you know, you're walking in there, the players don't have, unless, you know, except when Skinner is on, on the club, there's there's no previous relationship for you with, uh, with the players. How, how, how do you give us some insight as to how a coach builds those those relationships when he's when he's the new guy? I mean, there's already some pre-existing relationships there. You're going in there, the new guy. Well, I think the biggest thing for me, Reed, is which it's always been for me, no matter what it is, it's just be yourself. Um, you know, you, you got to come in and just be yourself and, and uh, you know, and just let them know that uh, you know you're 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 not just a coach. You're also there to help and mentor them in any possible way, and, and make them a, a better hockey player and a better and, and more importantly, also the team better also too. So um, you know that's how I've always approached it. And whether I played or or as I coach, is you just try got to be yourself. And then usually that you know, for me that's worked, and the guys realize right away that it's you know we build that relationship and that honesty and that trust uh, fairly quickly. Uh, dare I ask if you've already been perusing a lot of special teams tape? 
given what happened last year for the Oilers? Well, yeah, you know, we've been, it's not just the special teams, we've been going through everything as far as, uh, you know, just getting a, a feel for, uh, you know, how, how the team played in certain situations. And uh, we certainly, as a group, we've all, uh, you know, we're, we've all sort of keying on certain things and different things like that too. And, um, you know, it's exciting. Um, you know, it's uh, a lot of things, uh, whether it's five on five play or special teams, there's a lot of things that, uh, um, or, or I would say a lot of things, a lot of fine tuning, uh, so to speak. And I think uh, uh, with the plan in place that Todd and, and the coaching staff has in place, it's going to make a big difference for our team next year. All right, Manny Viveros, one of the new assistant coaches for the Edmonton Oilers, getting ready to go really successful the last couple of years in the Western Hockey League. Uh, he, As I mentioned in that interview, he steps into the staff as the uh, only guy to have never been a head coach in uh, the NHL. But, uh, you know, I asked him about, about the special teams, and that's going to be a big focus. And as he said, they, they got to work on a lot of different things. There's, there's a lot of tape to watch. But the Oilers' special teams, uh, horrific. Last in terms of power play at a paltry 14.8% and the penalty killing at 76.7%. Now they've added a couple players, Brodziak and Reeder, who hopefully can help with the PK and I'm sure they're going to need some new ideas from from the coaching staff, uh, all three new guys to help out there as well. As Todd McClellan said last week, he said something very interesting, that it's interesting to hear from Gullitson, from Viviros, from Yanni especially Yanni and Gullison having coached against the Oilers, what they thought of the team. Uh, Todd said he didn't want to put you know too many ideas into their heads or give them pre-existing notions about players. He wanted to hear what they had to say. What were the Oilers like to play against? What did you guys do against us? So I'm sure that information is going to shape the way the Oilers play this season. I, I think we'll talk a lot, obviously, uh, about Brodziak, about Reader, the new players. I don't know if Gravel is going to be on the team, uh, I, but the most, in my mind, the most significant off-season changes made by the Ed- Edmonton Oilers uh, have been the change in coaches and, and maybe some new ideas and some new uh, dynamics there in terms of dealing with players, dealing with uh, players who might be going through tough times. Maybe some new voices, some new ideas are exactly what they need. All right, it's six fifteen. Uh, you'll hear a little bit from Bob Nicholson. Uh, president of uh... Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast wherever you get your podcasts. OEG about what some of the things going on with the Oil Country Championship and uh, also some scheduling uh, quirks affecting the Oilers this season. This is Mike Riley from your Edmonton Eskimos and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chet. Appreciate you tuning in tonight. It's Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio 630. Chet, couple of uh, trades today by the Toronto Blue Jays ahead of the deadline. 
Uh, two relief pitchers going for prospects. Uh, long-serving lefty Aaron Loop to the Phillies. And Canadian right-hander John Axford goes to the L.A. Dodgers. Uh, Loop, uh, 30 years of age, the longest-tenured Blue Jay before the trade, goes for a minor league pitcher. Axford traded for right-hander Corey Copping. So that's what's going on with the Blue Jays, who's obviously uh, playoff hopes have uh, long been left behind. Speaking of baseball playoffs, the Edmonton prospects in Okotoks tonight. That'll start at 7, game 1 of their division semifinal. It's a best of five games at Remax Field. Thursday at 7 if necessary. Friday at 7. The prospects hoping to once again upend Okotoks in the first round. They've been able to do that in the past. Oh, I uh, forgot to mention uh, Blue Jays. Lourdes Gurriel Jr. will be out two to six weeks uh, with a left leg injury. Sprained his knee and his ankle uh, with that slide against the Chicago White Sox on Sunday. So there's catching up on uh, some things in the world of baseball. We'll update you on the prospect score once uh, the game starts at 7. You can always reach out by calling 780-496-0063. You can also text 630-630. Later on tonight, we'll catch up with Danny Saul, who's going to be playing in the Oil Country Championship. He also caddies. Uh, he's caddied for Mike Weir in the past. He's the current caddy for Vijay Singh, so it'll be cool to have him on the program. And in the next half hour, a guy who's really coming along on the Eskimos' def- defensive line, Kwaku Boateng, will join us. Three sacks against Montreal. They got tons of pressure against the Alouettes. Uh, Bob Nicholson, Oilers Entertainment Group, big wig. He was speaking today at the Petroleum Club. Asked him about the future of uh, OEG's involvement on the McKenzie Tour with the Oil Country Championship. We're right in the middle of the evaluation of it. You know, it's certainly something that we wanted to do. We wanted to show that uh, OEG was doing more than just hockey. And we'll be making the decision in the next month or so. All right. So... Uh, OEG obviously has been involved in some non-hockey ventures like the Oil Country Championship, like the uh, PBR Global Cup that they uh, brought to Rogers Place in November, but clearly not a uh, ringing endorsement there about Nicholson about their, the future of the Oil Country Championship. Would not surprise me at all if this is the last season for it. Now, this doesn't mean the end of the McKenzie Tour coming to Edmonton, coming to the Edmonton area. The uh, you know it's been, it's been called different names in the past, the Canadian Tour Tour. Uh, Different. Uh, there have been different incarnations of the tour and of the tournament, so it doesn't mean Edmonton would would no longer get a tournament. Though I suppose it's possible, but I think OEG's involvement uh, very much up in the air at this point. The Holinka Gretzky Cup, another uh, venture OEG's involved with, along with Hockey Canada and the International Ice Hockey Federation, that's already starting on Monday at Rogers Place. This is the uh, top U18 players in the world. They're going to be drafted next June in Vancouver. Canada will play Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday against Switzerland, Slovakia, and then Sweden. Semifinals next Friday. Gold medal game on Saturday, August 11th. There's actually a three-tournament commitment from Edmonton for this to also host in 2020 and in 2022. Uh, and Bob Nicholson was asked about uh, you know the ticket sales and the interest level for this summer tournament. Ticket sales are a little slow, but we we expected that you know we weren't going to jump out of the gate. We that's why we wanted to host it you know every second year for the next six years. Uh, I think once the uh, people see the caliber of play. Uh, you know, Edmonton uh, fans love hockey, and these are the future stars, and, you know, all the first-rounders are going to be here. So I, they're going to definitely come out for the Canadian games, but uh, uh, I think once they see it, uh, we're going to have a lot of walk-up, and that's what we're hoping for. Uh, and I think the other key with that is the uh, summit. Uh, we have over 300 people coming in from 
We have a lot of groups from uh, International Ice Hockey Federation, uh, the National Hockey League, Hockey Canada, the Western Hockey League. So there's going to be a lot of hockey discussion uh, going around uh, the next uh, uh, that week uh, during the Olenka Gretzky. What's the challenge? Is the challenge is it that it's August? And yeah, it's August, and I, I, I roll back to you know World Juniors Christmas time. We couldn't do it. It takes a little bit, but once people see the caliber of play people are going to want to come out and I think you know you start to challenge yourself uh, all the so-called hockey experts and everyone on social media who's going to be the first pick who's going to go in the first round who's going to go in the second round they're going to get to see them right in uh, Rogers place all right so a little bit there from Bob Nicholson about the tournament I, I think they're hoping that maybe it'll gain some momentum in terms of ticket sales once it starts next week and uh, then maybe that translates into into future years if it's a little bit more of a fixture on the calendar we shall see how that goes as well uh, I also asked Bob Nicholson one other question uh, because it's a question some of you have asked me and that is about Sunday November 25th well why does that date ring a bell that is the day the gray cup will be held in Edmonton on the brick field at Commonwealth Stadium. The Oilers play that day. They play 8.30 Mountain Time in Los Angeles. So probably about half an hour after the Grey Cup ends. We would have liked to have not had a game. You know, we uh, had that request into the league. Uh, we want to be the best partners we can with the uh, Eskimos on it. But, you know, we're out of town and we're going to definitely support the Eskimos through through that week. And, uh, you know, they're going to do an outstanding job with the Grey Cup here in Edmonton. So the way it works for NHL teams, they submit dates where their building is not available. So they don't want to play home games. So the, the Oilers would have said we're, we were not available for a home game on Sunday, November 25th and as Nicholson said they also would have said if if we could not play this day at all that would be uh, preferable so the NHL scheduled them to play not during the Grey Cup uh, but basically right after so it'll turn into a Grey Cup Oilers game doubleheader basically for Edmonton fans and hopefully it's an Eskimo Oilers uh, doubleheader but so they requested don't have us on the schedule uh, the NHL didn't ultimately honor that request but anyway that's uh, that's how that worked a lot of people speaking to the media today Grant Fewer, legendary Oilers goaltender Hockey Hall of Famer and uh, briefly a Calgary Flame and briefly a teammate of the now retired Jerome McGinley I think Jerome's the ultimate pro I mean he had all the finesse parts of the game he had all the tough parts of the game and the best part is he's an even better person. So there couldn't be a nicer guy in the game that's a better player. Also heard from Oilers goaltender, current goaltender Cam Talbot, coming off a disappointing season, didn't reach the standards that he did in the Oilers' playoff season. You know, I like to think that goaltending is pretty much 90% mental. I mean, everyone's in the gym training and, and working hard all summer long, and, and everyone wants it. But I think uh, everyone always says goaltending is kind of 90% mental, 10% physical. And uh, if you don't have it between the years, then, you know, you can have all the, all the physical attributes you need, but you still have to think the game, I think. So um, I kind of... I like to think that uh, I bring a little bit of both to the table. I've been working my butt off in the gym and, and on the ice so far, so I'm looking forward to getting the season going. All right, and uh, more on the Oilers' website on some of the stuff that went down today. Kwaku uh, Boateng, sack master for your Edmonton Eskimos. He's up next. Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. Okay, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight.
reminder that some guests on the show get gift certificates to Northern Chicken. You can book the Rumpus Room for up to 12 of your closest friends and dig in for a family-style picnic at NorthChickenYEG.com. Northern Chicken. It's excellent. That's not actually their slogan or anything. I just think it's excellent chicken. All right, Eskimos against the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. That's coming up on Thursday, Brickfield at Commonwealth Stadium. The uh, Rough Riders head coach, Chris Jones, not naming the starting quarterback. Zach Caleros is expected to play, as is Brandon Bridge. One of the guys who will be chasing down whoever takes the snaps for the green and white. A guy who's really emerging as an excellent rush end for your Edmonton Eskimos, Kwaku Botang. Kwaku, welcome to Inside Sports. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. It's it's nice to have you on the show for the first time. Uh, man, things are really rolling for you, eh? You got five sacks in your last two games. You had three three sacks against Montreal. What do you think is working for you out there lately? Um, honestly, I think I'm starting to understand the game a bit more. Um, I know last year I had a great set of veterans helping me out on and off the field, so um, I'm finally able to finally able to put that onto the field and. Uh, it's paying dividends. And with Coach Coach Maxi as my coach this year, he's helped me out and given me a lot of autonomy just to be great this year. I mean, when you when you come in as a rookie last year, was was every game almost like like going to school? What was what was the jump like from playing university ball to playing in the CFL? What were some of the big adjustments you had to make? Um, obviously, talent wise, it just seemed like everyone in the CFL was just so. So well prepared for every game, and um, I just realized I just really escalate my game myself, and um, really, really emphasize on watching tape and getting to know um, the in and outs of the game, especially the linemen and how they set and whatnot. And um, I realized there's a lot, lot more to football than just than just showing up the, for game day. So when you would when you would watch video last year, Kwaku, what progress did you make there? I mean, do, do you watch video differently now as opposed to maybe a year ago? Yeah, for sure. Um, I know. I know. In, uh, I know. In university, I, I I didn't know what I was watching. I was just watching with the team and whatnot, and um, it was just a bunch of X and O's and whatnot. But um, this year, I'm able to. I'm able to see what what exactly I need to look at, and, and it really comes down to just the alignment, making sure I know what the alignment likes to do against the run, against the pass, and again, just heavier emphasis on watching tape and um, just just increasing my play recognition. All right. Well, you, you certainly recognize a lot of plays against Montreal. I mean, I know you're focused on the Riders here, but just to go back to that the last game, which you know was a pretty successful one for you personally, um, and, you, and you guys had Adams on the run quite a bit too, even when you didn't sack him. What was it that, that allowed you to get so much pressure in that game? Honestly, if you watch the tape, the first quarter, um, Tony Washington had my number. He, he figured me out. Um, and I was able to go back on the sideline and talk to Coach Maxey, um, and Coach Maxey helped me a ton. Um, and obviously with, my, with our defensive tackles, uh, with uh, Montesio and Jake Ceresna, um, they, were, they were just pushing the pocket for us um, as, pass, as edge rushers. So after talking to Coach Maxey, we did a couple of adjustments, and um, he really helped me fix, fix the problem that we were having uh, on the edges against Tony Washington. So after we did that, we... It just seemed like the sacks are rolling, and obviously the defensive calls were just working perfectly that night. 
All right. Kwaku Boateng joining us on Inside Sports from the Edmonton Eskimos. Five sacks in his last two games. Hey, Kwaku, we haven't had a chance to talk before on this show. Uh, I mean, you, you have a very unique name, a very memorable name. Uh, t- tell me a little bit about uh, about Kwaku. Is that, uh, I don't know, was that uh, something unique from your parents that they, they came up with? Is there maybe a, a story behind that name? What can you tell me about that? Yeah, so my name uh, my name is right from uh, from Ghana, um, and in Ghana we had we, we have this tribe, this ancient tribe called the Shanti tribe, and essentially um, just from the area I'm from, we value the days of the week a lot. So technically, my middle my middle name is supposed to be Kwaku, but when I came over here when I was two and a half with my father and my parents, um, my father actually wrote wrote my name down backwards by accident. So it was supposed to be Akusa Kwaku Boateng. Akusa should have been my first name, uh, but he flipped it by accident, so it's now Kwaku Akusa Boateng. In our culture, um, we're taught to really value the days of the week. So for, for people in the Shanti tribe, they often have the day of the week. Every day of the week has a specific name for the female and the male, um, and that's supposed to be your middle name. And, uh, again, that pretty much Kwaku means Wednesday, born on Wednesday, and uh and that's how I, that's how I got it essentially. Okay, cool. So you so you were born in Ghana then, because I know a lot of uh, a lot of bios for you list your your birthplace is Milton, Ontario, but you were actually born in Ghana. Yeah, I got I got to get that fixed. <laughs> um, I was born in Ghana. Um, I moved here when I was two and a half. My father actually came here when he was about twenty three. Didn't know anyone. He started from the bottom. He just worked his way up in here. Um, and his one goal was to make a life for his kids. Um, and essentially bring over my mother and myself and his brother um, just over to Canada just for a better life and uh, just just for, just for great education purposes. Um, so my dad was here for several years before I was born, and uh, back then I'm not sure that were uh, a Canadian citizen, and, and they had a kid somewhere else. As soon as that as soon as that kid's born, he's automatically a Canadian citizen. So I was born with Canadian citizenship and the passport and whatnot, so uh, the chance over here was smooth and uh, frictionless. How many siblings do you have? I have, uh, I have two. Okay, are you the best athlete in the family? <laughs> <laughs> I'm the oldest, so, uh, but I think my younger, my youngest brother, he's, he's big and strong, so we'll see what he's doing. And my middle brother, he's, uh, he loves playing basketball, so he's just shooting, shooting hoops. Okay. Uh, w- was it always football for you growing up, or, or what other sports did you play and enjoy? Um, I was a big fan of soccer. Um, obviously, just because of my homeland, soccer's a big, big deal. And my father and my uncle also played soccer um, throughout university and high school back home. And uh, so I just wanted to play soccer just like them. It was until high school where a family friend of mine told me that I got a trial for uh, football. And I tried it out, and I loved it. Um, never since then, I haven't, uh, um, I haven't left the game. The only other sport that I played during high school was rugby, and I loved rugby. Rugby is tons of fun. All right, so you like hitting people. That's what I'm hearing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like hitting people. <laughs> you always been a defensive player in football? Um, I started off grade nine. Soon realized my coach said I was too physical playing wide receiver. Um, and, and they, they felt like my lankiness would help, um, would be a great asset for me on the defensive side, but specifically as a defensive end. And um, after I got my first sack, I realized that this is a lot more fun than getting touchdowns. So I, I just enjoyed staying there. 
Okay, good stuff. Uh, I, I know, obviously, uh, you went to Wilford Laurier. Now, are you still, uh, are, do you have your degree, Quaker, or are you still in the process of completing it? Yeah, this offseason, um, I had the opportunity to go back to school um, and finish my degree. I only have four classes left in my honors BBA. Um, just finished that off, and now um, I have my degree, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm all set. Whenever football is done or even uh, during the offseason, I can kind of establish um, I can start using my degree, which was in accounting and finance. Okay, so you mentioned earlier telling your story that, you know, your parents wanted to come to Canada for the educational opportunities. So what makes them more proud? The the fact that you're a CFL player or the fact that you finished your degree? <laughs> um, if it was, uh, I think it's a bit of both. Uh, my father is a big, big fan of me who finished my education and uh, doing great things um, academically, but my mom... Um, sees both sides of it. Uh, my mom, my mom, at first wanted me just to be a, a good boy. What she likes to say, be a good boy, stay in the office, um, and stay safe. But uh, after after last season, and she enjoyed watching football for the first time, um, and she's a big fan of basketballs now. Now she just loves the fact that I play football, um, and she knows that whenever football is done, I'll always have a backup plan. Have you brought them to Edmonton for a game? No, not yet. But I, I'm hoping that we. Well, once we make the Great Cup this year, I'm, gonna, I'm definitely going to fly them out so they can uh, get the best game they experience. Okay, that's, uh, that sounds great. Uh, we, we mentioned a lot about your, your journey through the, you know, the past in-season type of adjustments you had to make which, with watching video and type of stuff. Did you do anything different in the off-season as a pro so you're more accustomed to you know, playing at a high level, obviously a much longer season in the CFL than in college? Did you do anything different with your off-season training? Yeah, um, I invest a lot of money in myself this offseason, um, working, working with uh, PR Elite um, Performance, uh, based out of Oakville slash Mississauga. Um, and Shay, he's my trainer, he's helped me all the time. I, I wanted to make sure that I focused on getting uh, more agile, more athletic, because um, obviously being a pastor is not all about power. You want to be able to um, move your body um, efficiently. And I, I decided to work with uh, skill position players like uh, wide receivers, DBs, um, and whatnot throughout this offseason. And obviously on the side after, after uh, lifting weights or um, going to the gym, watching tape on uh, just reflecting back on what I've done the previous season and also looking at the alignment sets and whatnot and getting accustomed to that. So when I finally transitioned to training camp, it's a seamless transition, it's a frictionless transition. Quaker, you, you sound like the type of guy, I mean, obviously you're a very good athlete, but you, you sound like the type of guy you're, you're always trying to learn and you're, you're big into self-evaluation and, and even if you can get 1% better, you know, over the course of a day or over the week, that's something that's very important to you. Where does that, where does that drive come back, come from? Because, you know, not, not all athletes have that. Some guys reach a certain level and are kind of content to where they're at. Where does that drive come from for you? I think definitely for my family, um, but more specifically my father. Like I said before, my father came out here when he was 23 years old by himself, didn't know anyone. Um, and essentially, he, he had a great life back in uh, Ghana, but he's, he saw something further for himself and his family. So um, that's what pushes me. The fact that my father was able to pick up his stuff and say to his parents, listen, I'm going to a different country because I want to do great things for myself and my family down the, down the road. And I think that's where I, that's where my uh my confidence and my de determination really derives from. 
All right. Well, we didn't even talk about the, the game coming up on Thursday, so I'll throw you one there. Uh, I mean, now in your in your second year as an Eskimo, you've you've played the Riders before. Obviously, growing up in Canada, you knew all about Rider Nation. Tell us a little bit about the vibe on the field when you play the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Does does it feel a little different? I mean, do you hear okay. those do you hear those uh, green and white fans coming through no matter where you are? Yeah, and, I, and I'm excited for it because whenever you step on the football field, you, you, you just feel the intensity. You know what I mean? Like, the fact that we can step on the field and look at the crowd, look at the stadium, and see two shades of green, whether it's our shade of green or whether it's their shade of green, it just energizes our, um, our whole team, especially myself. And I just feel like um, I'm grateful to play this game, and um, I'm excited to play this, this Thursday game. Well, Kwaku, we're excited to watch you again. Hopefully there are a few more sacks in your future here. Thanks for joining us on Inside Sports tonight and telling your story. Really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for, for your time, and thank you for um, this interview. I hope that we get plenty of sacks throughout the season. And obviously we get this W3 well, right on. That sounds like a great plan, Kwaku. Kwaku Boateng joining us on Inside Sports. Man, what a well-spoken guy. Very interesting interview. So there you have it. From Ghana, if you Google... Okay, I'm going to get into something here because you can Google Kwaku Boateng and find two different people. In terms of the Eskimos guy, it's incorrect. When you go on Wikipedia and you go on CFL.ca... He was, as he said there, he was not born in Milton, Ontario. So he's going to try to get that updated because that's absolutely incorrect. Came to Canada when he was two and a half, and what an influence his, his parents and, and his father have had on him and his drive and his willingness to work hard and better himself and all that kind of stuff. Re- really cool interview there. Um, so if you uh, see he's from Milton, Ontario, now you know that's wrong. He's from Ghana. Also, somebody texted in during that interview. John wrote in and uh, said, Reed, I think there was a high jumper named Kwaku, uh, sorry, Kwaku Boateng. Yes, uh, a Canadian high jumper, also born in Ghana, June 30th, who uh, jumped for Canada. And get this. Now, you know, here's a great fact. Kwaku Boateng is not the first Kwaku Boateng to compete at Commonwealth Stadium. So if he was a high jumper, Kellen, what are you thinking? Uh, you're literally, you're literally scratching games, right? your head. Well, he was born in 74. Yeah, okay. So he was a little too young to compete in the Commonwealth oh, Games. Oh, okay. 2001. Right. World Track and Field Championships. Double IHF. He, could, uh, sorry, he yeah. finished eighth for Canada in high jump. Kwaku Boateng. And now another cool. Kwaku Boateng. Now this other Kwaku Boateng uh, made his home in Montreal. So the original Boateng, well, the original Boateng, the, the other Boateng, the high-jumping Boateng, uh, represented uh, Canada at World Championships at the Olympics in 2000 in Sydney and uh, here in Edmonton at the World Track and Field Championships, finished eighth in high jump, and now we have another athlete with the same name playing defensive line for the Edmonton Eskimos. So that, that is totally your useless trivia for the day. You can... Take that to, to work tomorrow and share it at the water cooler, but, but pretty interesting. Thanks. Uh. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. 
loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. That's a John for texting that in because I totally was not up to speed on the other Kwaku Boateng. Live on the radio next, Dave Proctor. Ultra runner, ultra emotional story, was running across the country to raise money for research into rare diseases because his son is stricken with one. Unfortunately, Dave had to call his run off a few days ago. He will tell you why. He will also tell you how you can continue to help with rare disease research. Great story coming up next on Inside Sports. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.